Let's pray. Father, this morning we come at this time into the hands, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. You speak to us. For no man, no one on earth, except you and your spirit, have the words of life. And we have come to your house for life. The life you brought us when you came 2,000 years ago. That is still being released by your spirit upon all who believe. And I pray faith will arise for God even as we listen to the word. Faith will arise. People will believe and obey. Oh, Father, and see the power of God being demonstrated in and through them. And we grow in you. We are transformed from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And we proclaim the defeat of the devil in our lives and through our lives. That Christ Jesus may receive all the glory, the honor, the power and the praise. Oh Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, for that. Let today be a new beginning for many, Lord. New beginning with you. Power in strength. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We've been looking at, uh, both of us, through the weeks, we've been looking at the battle we fight, whether you're aware or not. If you're not aware, that means you're totally defeated. Totally defeated. You're not aware of it at all. That's a story I've said this before, but many of you may be born after I told this. Because I serve the ancient of days. Australia was originally a prison colony. Okay, Convicts sentenced to many, many years of life and all were sent from Britain in ships to Australia. It was a prison colony. There was a convict who was in a prison colony in, in Australia. And uh, his case was reopened because the actual culprit was found, confessed. So the judge had passed an order for him to be released from prison. Already had served many years. But those days, it is not SMS, text, email, telegram, wireless, train, plane, nothing. It goes by ship. And ships don't directly go. It's a cargo ships. They will go from port to port to port to port to port. Okay. So this letter of his release is going from England to one port to another port to another port to another port to another port. By that time, he reaches Australia. Many years have passed away. The prison warden gets the letter. Calls the man. Says, you are free. Gives him the letter. He looks at the letter. And he looks at the date. It's dated around five or six years earlier. You see, when the letter was written and the seal was put, he was free. But for him to be actually free, he needed that information in his hands. Understand that. 2,000 years ago, you and I were set free. But to be free, we need to have it with us. That's why Jesus said, the truth will set you free. He, he's not going to do anything. He's already done it all. He said it's finished. It is finished. It is finished. Okay. That's why when it comes to the ministry of the word, 
to your personal reading of the word or listening to the word. You should give it your everything because men and women have died literally. Killed, slaughtered to reach this gospel to us because they thought it, they believed it was worth giving up their lives so others could be set free. So don't take this lightly. Don't take this lightly. Don't take the word lightly. Don't take the ministry of word lightly because of the price the Savior paid and his servants have paid. You go and look back history. Even the ones who translated the Bible into English in the beginning were all burned at the stake because vested interest in the church did not want the common man to have the Bible in their hands. Tens, hundreds were burned at the stake if they were found with the Bible in their hands because people knew if you read, you would be free. When the enemy lost that battle, the Bible became available to everybody. He changed it. He just caused this world to look even more glittering and armoring so that we have lost interest in hearing the word and listening to the word and reading the word. Okay. But the word is still the same. It has never changed. It is forever settled in the heavens. And God has exalted it above all his name. And it still has the same power to set us free. So we know from John 1.17, law came through Moses and Jesus came with grace and truth. The only purpose of the law is to lead us to Christ. Okay? Only purpose of the law. The law has two purposes. In the society, the purpose of the law is to restrain evil. Law will not make you good. It doesn't have the power to make you good. It only has the power to restrain evil or to punish those who break it. It doesn't make anybody good. So law came through Moses. But when the law of God comes through Moses, the purpose of reading that law and the demands of the law is to take us to Christ. Because nobody can keep the law. It's impossible to keep the demands of God. His holiness, his righteousness is the demand of God to be in his presence. Nobody can. So people cry out in mercy and go to Jesus Christ. That is the only purpose of the law. But when Jesus came, he did not come with the law. He came with grace and truth. Not or and. Grace and truth. Okay, We know it very well. We are scripturally quite literate. Truth has two components. We know that too. We learned it. One is what you are hearing, what you read. Truth has two components. The truth shall set you free. John 8, 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Then it has a second equally or more important common or same equally important. That is 36. So therefore, if the sun sets you free, you are free. So there is what is spoken and the person. You need both. And it's only with Christianity, it is both. No other religion, no other ideology, it is both. Ideologies have power. You shall know Marxism and you shall be free. And Marx shall set you free. No. Poor fellow wasn't free. It's only with authentic Christianity, genuine Christianity, 
Two components have to come to make you free. One is the word and the other is the person. Okay. And that person, therefore, is a person of Jesus Christ. That is the Holy Spirit. He has sent somebody just like him. So there is the word and the spirit. And he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he shall teach you all things. When the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. And he's also called the spirit of grace. He says, don't insult the spirit of grace. So you need both. You need both. Okay. So we are looking at war. Where is this battle taking place? Because it's taking place here. Even now, it started. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And verses 3 to 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. That means you do war. You do war. But not according to the flesh. Don't fight according to the flesh. That's what the world, people in the world do. Don't fight like that, he says. Because you're already lost. It is irrelevant. Why? Because the warfare is different. It is not carnal. It is not human. It is not fleshly. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, human, fleshly, but they are mighty in God, only in God, to pull down strongholds, to pull pull down arguments or imaginations, every high thing, until we are able to bring every thought into the captivity, not of the idea of Jesus Christ, the obedience of Jesus Christ. Okay? This is where the war has to be fought. The battlefield is your mind and your hearts. Hearts for your affections, mind for your thoughts. This is the battlefield. And enemies are very clearly identified in Ephesians 6.12. They are principalities. There are powers. The rulers of this darkness, rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness Where are they? In heavenly places. Heaven is not far away. It's all around us. It's not far away. The only thing we cannot see. It's all around you. Do you doubt you have a heart? It's in you. That's what Jesus said. Where is the kingdom of God? He said, don't look. It's in you. Can you see it? It's in you. It's a realm. It's a realm. Okay. It's a realm. Right all around us and in us, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness is fighting in our minds. It's a realm. Okay, it's a realm. So please know this. Your brain and your mind are not the same. One is hardware, the other is software. One is physical, the other is spiritual. When you die, one will go into the dust and worms will eat your brain. They call it brain curry. When you die... The other will go depending upon whether you are saved or not. If you are saved, it will go with your soul and your spirit to God. If you are not saved, it will go with your soul to somewhere else where there is no presence of God. One is the brain, the other is your mind. Your mind doesn't die. It doesn't become dust. Okay? It will have all the feelings which it had. I thirst. Lazarus, can you send Lazarus for a drop? That's not his brain speaking. That's his mind speaking. Do you get the difference? You may have a fantastic brain. Brain power. 
How to increase your brain power? Eat this, do this. He says, sure, it works. People confuse one with the other. The brain and your mind. Example, let me tell you. The brain is like a piano. The mind is like a pianist. Let us look at this piano. I just searched in Google for its name. It was a funny name. I think it's Faziol or something. Faziol piano is the most expensive you can buy in the market. Let us think this is that. This is not Yamaha. It is Faziol. It is worth a single piece. That piano is worth $400,000. Okay. Fantastic piano. And then we have Avinash sitting here. Avinash, come and play it. This is the brain. That is the mind. Doesn't work. Because he doesn't know how to play the piano. I think he doesn't know. On the other hand, this is a simple Yamaha. You get Peter or Abel to come here. Are you getting the difference? You getting the difference? There's something called hardware. There's something called software. When we were born again, what we received is not a new brain. What we received is a new mind. A mind that has to be renewed, made new. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 says, Who can counsel God? Who can? Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now when he says we, he's talking about himself. Not the Corinthian church. They have a little bit. But he says, you know what? We have the mind of Christ. So when you come to the Lord, don't have to worry about eating walnuts to increase your brain power. Please read the word of God to increase the mind of Christ. What all people in the world, and they're not fools. They're smart. Jesus says they're smart. To do, to increase brain power. But what do we do to change our mind so it becomes more and more like the mind of Christ? While we have been given in seed form, the very mind of Christ. Right? Now we have mommies over here. We have Appu here. We have Sabagir here. We have Kirti here. We have three mothers and four babies inside. Do you believe they have a mind? Yes, they have a mind. Is it developed? No. It's not developed. But when it's, when they come out, and over a period of time, the mind starts developing. When you are born again, you do have a mind. Is it developed? Not necessarily, if you haven't taken care of it. The first thing what the, Bible, the devil will try to do with man is to see that if it is possible, he will do everything possible to see that you don't get saved. You don't get saved. Okay? You don't get saved. And a minute, let me take a minute here. Uh, 30 seconds off. I want to talk to the young ones who are sitting over here. Have you noticed when I preach or when Pastor Vijay preaches, we both take notes. You know why? 
Because we know the fact. If we don't take notes, we will forget what we have heard. There are a lot of young people who think they are scholars. Why don't you take notes? Unless you are one of the persons who go back and listens again. Do you listen again? Let me ask you this question. When you go to your classroom and you are studying, do you take notes? Yes. If you are in an office and your manager says, this is the instructions for today, do you take notes? Why do you think you can come to the house of God and ignore it? Already you are blocked in your mind. Already you are blocked in your mind. Because you know what? God says, I have magnified my word above everything else. You brought it down. God says, do you know? And you are ignorant. Now I told you, you are suddenly realizing. God says, you know what? You brought my word below your classroom, below your manager, below everything. You brought it down. If you have a smartphone, you all are smart. If you have a smartphone, go to your notes. Write it down. It's full of notes from messages. That's what it is. You don't have a phone. It's fine. Write it down. Nobody is going to remember. None of us are going to remember. But when you write it down, basically the primary facts of what you are hearing, what God is speaking to you, it gets imprinted. You need to be serious about these things. And God looks down and he says, you know what? That one is serious. That one is serious. That one is serious. That one is serious. To concentrate, to think, to remember, there are practical things which we should do in the house of God, which you are taught in classrooms. Your teachers make you do it. Okay. That's how you show to God how he is important to you and how your his word is important to us. Simple things, practical things. So next Sunday, understand, the battle is going on. The devil will try to stop the word from getting in and the preaching being heard because he knows that is God's avenue of salvation. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and where it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. How are people saved? So the foolishness of the message preached. To, for whom is it foolishness? To those who are perishing. Don't be part of that lot. Lord, I will not be part of those who are perishing. For me, the preaching of the word of God is not foolishness. It is the wisdom of God. It is the wisdom of God, Lord. I don't want to be considered wise in the world and be perishing. I want to be considered foolish by the world and actually being saved. Preaching of the word of God. So you have to come prepared to fight this battle because the devil hates. The devil hates the preaching of the word. And it is the preaching of the cross. What is cross? The cross is death to your self-life. Do you know why you take notes in classrooms? Do you know why you take notes when your manager speaks? Do you know why you take notes when you find something interesting? Because you find your life there. And in here you don't find life. The life, death of your self-life and the life of God is given in return. You need to understand this is basically what happened. This is battle going in our minds. And you have to understand the wiles of the devil, the tricks of the devil, the schemes of the devil. You have to come into the house of God prepared. You have to come into the house of God prepared. And God will honor your faith. These are acts of faith. These are works of faith. 
works of faith. God will not reduce his standards for anybody. Because he has done everything possible for us. You know what? Like I keep saying last week and in the Nepali messages and all know. Imagine if you hear in today's tomorrow's newspaper. Mukesh Ampani's son died of hunger. Won't you laugh? If he died in an accident and all, we'll say, oh, poor fellow. Mukesh Ambani's son died of hunger. What will you think about it? What's wrong with this boy? His father is the richest man in the, in India, the fifth richest man in the world, and his son died of hunger. And what about Christians? There are only two things primarily every human being needs. Ultimately, in eternity, you will realize there was only two things I needed. I needed tons of mercy and I needed tons of grace. And people of God are dying like beggars when every day God is pouring out His mercy and His grace. You and I don't need anything more. Mercy and grace. What do you need when you wake up? Mercy. What do you need to succeed that day? Grace. But grace is only given to those who are encountering truth. If you don't need truth, why do you need grace? Dying like paupers. Dying like beggars. And they are the children of God. Why? Because you don't understand how the devil fights you. How he's taking over our thinking. Foolishness. So there are these strongholds. The first thing is stronghold. Remember strongholds. Like I said, stronghold is like Golconda Fort. <laughs> when you come down on an aeroplane, if you're flying over, what you see, the landmark of Hyderabad before this high-tech city came in was Golconda Fort. And if you, if any king had to say, I conquered Hyderabad, he had to conquer Golconda. If he had taken Golconda, then you knew Hyderabad is in my control. Now, of course, mosquitoes live there. Okay. If you go for the, I haven't gone, but if you go for the sound and light show in the evening, you are escorted by mosquitoes. But think about it. So there are these strongholds that will stop the conquest of the word of God of your mind. Because when you were saved, and I was saved, we all were saved, we came in with strongholds, arguments, imaginations, high things, and all thoughts contrary to the word of God. To get saved itself was not easy. <clears throat> we'll come to that. Why getting saved is the most difficult thing in the world. And the easiest. We've been looking at the biggest stronghold is pride. Biggest stronghold is pride. Okay, pride. If you look at Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9, Rahab tells the two spies, our hearts had melted in fear. We had lived in fear. It's not just fear. The terror of you has fallen on us. When you think the terror of God has fallen upon somebody, you expect them, I surrender. Right? No. 6 one says, fortified. Nobody could go out. Nobody could. You know what? Why? They are so terrified, yet they won't give in. You know, it's pride. It's pride. The first fortress you have to break through is the fortress of pride. Why don't people get saved? Though the gospel is so simple, because you have to humble yourself and say, nothing but you. None of your works. None of your good works. Not your religion. No. Nothing? Nothing. At least something? No. At least my good works? My resume? No. 
My education? No. My wealth? No. My khandal? No. Nothing. I say, okay, I will think about it. That's what Nicodemus left in the dark. I will think about it. He's not a bad man. He's a good man. He's not a bad man. He's a good man. He went, came in the dark. He went in the dark. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Pride goes before, not a fall. It goes before destruction. Jericho was destroyed. It didn't go before a fall. The walls fell down, but Jericho was destroyed. Don't get confused. Pride goes before destruction. If any man is ultimately destroyed by the devil, it's only because he was proud. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Not because of any other reason. Only because of pride, you get destroyed. Hebrews 11.31 Even as that city of pride is destroyed, by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish. She did not perish. Who was the only one saved in that city? Who won? Harlot. What that does a harlot have? What pride does a harlot have? What pride does a harlot have? Nothing. So when God is trying to save somebody, he says, you know what? There's only one harlot, a prostitute, who will believe my message. Bring her in. Bring her in. That's exactly what Jesus said. In Matthew 21, verse 31 and 32, which of, let's say, Assuredly, I say to you, tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. Who are tax collectors? The one who is condemned in the Jewish society. Nobody wants to be even with them. They're considered traitors. Traitors. Considered traitors. You know what it is? You will see in a few months' time, when Taliban overruns Afghanistan. So many will be executed by them. They will call them traitors who collaborated with the previous government and with the American government. They will execute him. Siddiqui, the journalist who died, was executed by them. Why? That was tax collectors who were in the Roman age. You are Jews, but you take tax from us and give it to the Romans and keep a cut for yourself. You know, you are the worst scumbags. That's why they didn't allow Zacchaeus to even have a peep of Jesus and blocked him. You know what Jesus said? The tax collector has no pride. Has no pride. The harlot has no pride. You know what? The kingdom of God is open for them. That's what God is talking about. Pride is what will take most people to hell. Not your sins. Your sins will not take you to sin, to hell. Because God paid the price for it. Your pride that stops you from acknowledging that Christ paid the price for it is what will take you. And what stops you? It's your pride. Another of the big one, the big, 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 let me tell you, blocks, strongholds, is fear. What fear is it? Proverbs 29 and verse 28, 25. The fear of man. Brings a snare. Do you know how many people have died in the pews? Spiritually. Died in the pews. You know why? Because they were honorable members of the church. Nice gray hair like me. They've been elders and welders and all that. But they were not saved. 
And every time God sent a servant and evangelist into those churches and said, come to the front and give your life to Jesus Christ, they sat there. What will people think of me? What will people think of me? And they sat there. And one day the time was over and they died. Of fear of man. And fear is a killer in the kingdom of God. It's a killer in this world. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. But the fearful and the, they put together first Jody. First Jody is who? The fearful and the unbelieving. They go together. Why didn't you believe? Because I was afraid. Fearful and the unbelieving. What fear is this? The fear of man. The fear of loss in this world. They go side by side. These are strongholds. A lot of young people. A lot of them. They want to be fashionable because they are afraid of what their friends will say. Let me tell you, even in your own groups, the young ones who will stay together and the young girls who stay together, let one person stand up and become on fire for God. All the others will start mocking. Do you remember years back when Peter was leading worship, one of the young ones said, Peter and I don't show off. See, I don't forget words, which needs to be remembered. Pirana wasn't showing off. His anointing has only re- increased in leaps and bounds. That the entire world, there are churches that listen to him because he was not showing off. But somebody else thought he was showing off. I don't know who it was. I know it was one of the young ones. I don't even remember who it was. So if you remember, go to Peter Anna and say, Anna, I'm sorry. <laughs> it will rise among you the fear of man. Most young people, when we were young, unsaved primarily, basically when we were, we did things not because we understood it, because we are afraid of our peers. Just called peer pressure. The fear of man is a snare. Instead of looking about being just, Three weeks we are looking about being just. The questions you should ask. If I do this, if I say this, if I buy this, if I sell this. In everything in life, am I being just? The word of God says Noah was a man who was just in his generation. Just in his generation. What generation? When God says every thought and inclination of man's thought was evil. And the world was full of violence. In that generation God found a just man. You want to talk about peer pressure? Ask Joseph and ask Noah what peer pressure is. They said, you know what? We'll stand alone. And Peter talks about scoffers and mockers. You know what the revelation is? Noah went through scoffing and mocking for 100 years of building of that thing. And he refused to quit. Refused to quit. A fear of man is a stronghold. A lot of stuff which we did when we were young, especially all of us ask Pastor Vijay, ask me. But in some ways you can excuse us because we didn't know the Lord. We didn't know the Lord. But you have no excuse. We did not because we understood it or appreciated it. But to, to be cool, the fear of man, we didn't want to be mocked by them. It was simply the fear of man. And it is a snare, it is a stronghold. And you know what Jesus says in Matthew 10 and verse 23? 
do not one who can kill your body. Okay, we know that. And uh, after that, his power is over. But fear him who can throw both your body and soul into hell fire. The devil's power, the world's power stops the day you die. Can't do anything to you. They can't do anything to you after that. But there is somebody else. He said, fear him. His life doesn't stop here. It actually begins there. And there is somebody who will take your body and your soul and throw you into hellfire because you rejected his mercy, his kindness and his grace because of fear of man. Because of fear of man. What will my people say? What will my friends say? What will my colleagues say? Do you think in hell anybody cares? Do you think rich man was bothered about what his brothers would say? Rather he was bothered about his brothers that please send somebody that he shouldn't come here. Nobody is bothered about how many followers you have in Twitter in hell. Nobody. Understand. So there are strongholds. Psalm 119 and verse 30 says, yeah, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear. That is the end. It is inevitable we will all die. (laughs) You cannot escape it. We will all die one day. So you cannot escape it. So don't worry about it. After that, eternity begins. It's no time, no end, wherever you end. It's forever and ever and ever. So Psalm 119 and 130 says, The entrance of your word gives light. Your mind, your mind, and my mind, your mind, full of darkness. It is the entrance of the word that brings light. But to enter, you have to cut through the strongholds. That's the problem. At the entrance are there, sipais, strongholds. Your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate, together has framed the way you think. The problem is the light has to come in. It has to cut through. When he got saved, it is because you believed and a silver, not silver, sliver, sliver of light broke through and he got saved. That doesn't mean you have been sanctified or delivered. Only one ray of light got him. Now that light has to encompass your entire mind. First, it has to break the strongholds, the high things, the imaginations, the arguments, bring every thought to the captivity of Christ, and then he has to increase the government of Jesus Christ in. The mind has to expand. So there is a battle that is going on. It's a battle. But it is not easy. It is not easy. That's why fear is there. Pride is there. And what does the Bible say? If you want to receive the word of God, what do you need? James 1.21 Therefore lay aside filthiness, overflow wickedness and receive with meekness. The implanted word. It's an attitude. 
attitude matters which allowed children your attitude stinks meekness jesus said one thing we should learn of him what is that learn of me that i am meek and lowly why because otherwise you will not receive the receive the word of god you will not receive it because you are already fighting here pride is a stronghold the opposite of pride is meekness or humility learn of me peter will say humble yourself humble yourself in the sight of the lord humble you god is not going to humble you he will you if in predestination if your name happened to be there and you need to be proud you will end up a harlot before god will save you you will end up a tax collector but you don't have to god says you don't have to go that route just humble yourself apne aap namra bana do why do you want my hand on your shoulders Luke four eighteen, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the to preach the gospel to the first. It is the poor, poor in spirit, poor in the spirit, and usually poor in wealth also. Because of, if you are poor, there is a poverty in the spirit too. It first goes to the poor. Why he has been humbled enough by life. So when he hears the gospel it is good news for him because he has nothing to lose Let me ask him the question what does Rahab have to lose nothing What does Lazarus have to lose nothing What does Zacchaeus has to lose only his wealth which as soon as he encountered Jesus he gave it away He has no izzat no reputation no name nothing was all that is already lost in his pursuit of money he lost all this Now all he has got to lose is Money. And when he encountered Jesus, he was willing to. Without Jesus telling, he got rid of it. The leper, the harlot, the tax collector, the blind beggar, Mrs. Bartimaeus. See how they followed Jesus. All the blind men did not follow Jesus. The blind beggar followed Jesus. You can be blind and be proud. Second Kings chapter seven three and four. Now there were four lepers, leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, "Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we'll enter the city, famine is in the city, we shall die there. If we sit here, we'll die also. Therefore, let us surrender." Who is the first to break the famine? Lepers. Why? They have nothing to lose. Pride had been destroyed. They had been shut out every world. The city is tightly shut in, but they are outside. Samaria doesn't want them. Syrians doesn't want to touch them because they are lepers. When you come to that point, many will get saved. 
Philippians 2, 5 says, have this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This mind is basically talking about attitude, not the mind. Okay? After that, we know humble, he humbled, he humbled, made himself of no, re- he himself made himself of no reputation. His father didn't humble him. His father didn't humble him. He made himself of no reputation. Okay. So let me ask this question. If humility is an attitude of mind, isn't pride also an attitude of mind? Yes. If humility is an attitude of mind, pride also is an attitude of mind. What are those things that cause pride? Just a few things, one or two. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Now concerning things offered to idols... We know that we all have knowledge. And knowledge puffs up. And if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing. Yet, as he ought to know. I like that words too. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing. Yet, as he ought to know. So what is that? That puffs up. It is knowledge. And what is that knowledge? It is the knowledge of the world or the knowledge of creation. So what does the world do? One set of the world, humanists, atheists, what do they? They deny creation. And they deny the creator. Okay? So they are studying. You can't say they are studying creation because they refuse to accept anything was created. Because you accept creation, you have to accept there is a creator, so deny creation. So they are very scientific minded. And they are all experts in different fields. But Pastor Vijay was saying, experts. They take the whole universe, divide it into pieces and become experts. They take the whole human body, cut it into pieces and become experts of each piece. They're all experts. Why? Because they only accept the physical and the material world. And what do they do? They pursue the knowledge of it. And they become an expert in a particular subject. Look at the man who was an expert, who turned his back to God and became an expert. Ecclesiastic chapter 1. I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done. Mark the word under heaven. The physical material world. Under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man. By which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And indeed all is vanity and grasping for thee. At the end of it, it's vanity. Vain. Empty. When death comes in, your degree is not going to take you to heaven. Your knowledge means nothing in heaven. It means nothing in hell either. The devil is not going to give you a job. So one is knowledge puffs off. Be careful. True knowledge makes you more and more and more humble because you realize, you know what? I know nothing. I really know nothing. So all the old time scholars were godly men. Like Isaac Newton and all. Godly men. They understood. They were hardly, in their days, people as 
well read and as knowledgeable as Newton and all. But if you looked at them, they were very, very humble men because they understood in the light of the creator and the creation, we know nothing. We know nothing. So the first is knowledge. The second is what I would say, law. Or religion. Because all religions need to have a law. All religions need to have a law. If you don't have a law, you cannot have a religion. Every religion has its own codified law. Every religion has its codified law. This is not a religion which doesn't have laws. The more religious you are, the more you reject God. Because the problem with God is, as opposed to religion, is God says, only Christ. Every religion will discard Christianity when you say, only Christ. No other way. Jesus said, no other way. And the gospel says, there is no name under the heavens given unto man to be saved other than the name of Jesus. There is no mediator between God and man other than the man Jesus. When you hear that, all religion says, I don't want it. I don't want it. So if you are religious, even if you are a religious Christian, you are full and empty. Matthew 22 and verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. It was an insult to them. You mean we don't know the scriptures? We are scholars of the scriptures. Who are these Pharisees? Memorize the entire Torah. This is, you don't know the scriptures. Imagine me standing here and telling, Pastor Vita, you don't know math. All of you are laughing, right? But that's what Jesus told the Pharisees. You don't know scriptures. And they said, you, carpenter? From Nazareth? Has anything good come out of Nazareth? And you, carpenter, telling us we don't know scriptures? He says, yeah, you don't know scriptures. Are you getting the picture? When knowledge gets in, or religion gets in, it is almost impossible for that person to be saved. Unless God does it. The most difficult people to save are people who have knowledge. I've seen my profs. Boy, they had knowledge. And no God. I couldn't understand how my profs, who had their PhDs from some of the best universities in the US, could bow down before an idol that looked like a monkey. I simply could not. And yet when they came to the classroom and gave a lecture on the book of Job, it was fantastic. But you knew because you were saved, they had no light in them. I would be the only, practically the only believer in the class when the lecture is going on. And everybody says, wow, 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 wow. Because they're measuring by knowledge. But we don't measure people by knowledge. We measure people by light. The entrance of your word brings light. And you know he had knowledge. He had no light. He had no light. Have you thought about it? No light. The Pharisees had knowledge. No light. Because they had no light. They did not understand the power of God. 
And that's when the disciples said, who then can be saved? Jesus said, what is impossible for man is possible with God. He got in, saved a rich man. Because he said, it's more difficult, easier for a camel to get through the gate than for a rich man. Oh, who can? Because everybody wanted to be rich. The ones who followed him. Who can? God said, what's impossible for man is possible for God. He saved Zacchaeus. Then he got out and saved Bartimaeus. The richest and the poorest in the city. The richest, Zacchaeus, and the poorest, blind Bartimaeus. He saved them both and went to Jerusalem. He said, what's impossible for man is possible with God. You do not understand scriptures or the power of God. So it's never say no. There are things possible with only God. So if you pick the Pharisee, brain power, A++. Mind, foolish. Ephesians 4.17 This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. He's come to Corinth. Corinth is a church full of Gentile believers. He says, you know the people outside? Your own flesh and blood and all your friends and all who have not come to the light of God. Do you know the state of their mind? It's futile. It's empty. It's vain. Don't walk in the like them in the futility of their mind. And next verse, which I gave you. I didn't give 18. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Spirit of your Renewed in the spirit of your mind. And if I am right, verse 18 says their understanding is darkened. When your mind is vain, your understanding is darkened. You don't understand. That's why Jesus said that the secrets of the kingdom is not given to you. It's given to them. There are children sitting in our church who understand the gospel than most of my profs. Understand it just like it's given to them. It's not given to them. That's what God, God is talking about. Futility of them. Therefore, what we need to do? Yeah. Having their understanding darkened. When your understanding is darkened, you are alienated from what? The life of God. I have come to give you life and life in abundance. The life we receive through faith is the very life of God. You are alienated from that life. And you think this life in the world is like, God says, the world is passing, the world is perishing, the world will be burned away. What will happen to your life? What will happen to your life? Your world is all connected with this world. You evaluate your life with all the standards of the world. The world is perishing. And we all know As we grow older, we all know what are the things that you enjoy. Do you enjoy anything of your youth? No. Taste buds are gone. Knees are hurting. Joints are hurting. Teeth are falling off. You burp more than you breathe. Six times at the dining table, Siri will tell me, Excuse, say grandpa, excuse me. (laughs) Honestly. That is what in the book of Ecclesiastic Solomon tells you young ones. Don't do, be very smart. Time will catch up with you. 
then you will be miserable. Why? Because in the days of your youth, you didn't look for your creator. You didn't serve your creator. We are growing old, but you know what? Because we are saved, we enjoy life more today than we ever did. It's a different enjoyment. It's got nothing to do with the world. It's got to do with God. We enjoy God. We're enjoying life better today. I was telling my wife today, I said, honey, have you looked at my pictures from my youth onwards? You Today I am fitter than I was ever when I was young. And you know what? It has got nothing to do with the world. It has got to do with God because I'm enjoying life now. The life of God. Have you noticed? I said, look at my pictures. I was skinny. I put on weight. I can work more today. I teach more today. I study more today. I eat less today. I'm not saying this will continue, but you enjoy life more. You know why? That's the life he came. Alienated from God. The life of God. Understanding is darkened. When our understanding is darkened, who darkens our understanding? The devil. Because the strongholds won't allow the light to come in. And he fools you. In the old western days, in the west, it was called fool's gold. People would dig and dig and dig and dig and get these nuggets. But when they go to the nearest town, they say, this is not gold. There's no value at all. It looked like gold, but it was not gold. And they would be far away, work for two years, three years, and finally in their mule, they bring those pack saddles and they bring it and give it to the valuer. He looks and says, sorry, 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 sorry. This is not gold. So they used to call it fool's gold. And that's what people are running after in the world. At the end of the day, you will realize, you know what? I ran after fool's gold. When God was offering you pure Genuine gold every day. I've come to give you life. Life in abundance. It is the life of God. But you will never experience that life if you do not allow the light to enter into your mind. And when you don't enter, what happens? Your understanding is darkened and you are alienated from the life of God because of ignorance. That's why God says my people die of ignorance. Or lack of knowledge. Ignorance is the biggest killer in the kingdom of God. Don't die in ignorance. Don't die in ignorance. So please don't think. So God says in verse 23, put on. What you need to do, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new man which was created according to God. There's a new man and a new mind. Put on that, renew that mind. According to righteousness and according to holiness. And we've been looking three Saturdays on righteousness. That is being just. Are you being just? When you do things, when you say things, when you demand things, when you take things, you have to look in the entire gamut of your life. Am I being just? Because God is just. Am I being just? I was talking to everybody, including husbands and wives. Are you being just? You have a child, you have two children. Are you being just? In the way you do things at home. Ask yourself, are you being just? Would God do that? Put yourself in Jesus' position, the church in the wife's position. Ask, will Jesus do to his wife? And put yourself in the wife's position, church position. Would the church do this to Jesus? This is how you ask questions. Am I being just? The new man in righteousness. Holiness is our relationship with God. Righteousness is our relationship with one another. How God deals with man is how man is asked to deal with man. 
The simple questions you need to ask. A new man. Uh, you cannot have a new man without a renewed mind. The problem is with the mind. The battle is in the mind. And the world wants the mind. The Satan wants the mind. Oh, God wants your mind. Everybody is after the mind. Because whoever has your mind has you. Like I said in the beginning. Do you realize how difficult genuine salvation is? Matthew 6, verse 13 and 14. Genuine salvation. No. Not 13 and 14. Uh, just look the verses down. Go through the narrow gate. It's just below that. Or it might be 7. 7. 7. seven. See, Pastor Vijay always told you I have a problem with numbers. That's why I need Pastor Vijay there. That's why God gave a literature background and a math background guy for you. Why? Because in the secular realm, we tell you need only two things to succeed. You need English, you need math. So you got an English prof and a math prof. Now you succeed. Both are teaching the word, neither math nor English. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. You see, we have this onus upon our shoulders. What God said is narrow. We have no liberty or authority to make it easy. We will be condemned and judged by God if we make that road easy. The road is difficult. And he said, very few will make it. You know what our desire is? Both us and everyone here should be part of that few. Now why is it so difficult? Actually, it is very easy. It is because of pride. It is because of fear. It is because of prejudice. It is because of preconception. I was telling the Nepali church. I was telling them, if you don't think that I preach in the Nepali church, what I have already told, taught GTC. I said, I don't. I teach some new things. Whatever God gives me. Prejudice. Prejudice rules our minds. Do you know that? The white man doesn't like the black man because he thinks he, the black man should serve him. We don't like the shudras and the scheduled cars because we think, how can they come up to our level? We have all kinds of prejudice with color and caste and class. And that's a class warfare going out on the West. Marxism makes use of racial and class warfare. It's breeding ground for them. And we don't realize in the house of God we have all this and the entire word of God writes about it. There is no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free, no male, no female. These are prejudices. Break it down because it will block the word of God from coming into your mind. Preconception, you think you know when you do not know. Don't tell me I know it. Really, do you know it? I don't want to hear. I know it. Do you really know? Can you learn from anybody? Can God speak to you from anybody? These are strongholds in our mind. Pride is a stronghold. Fear is a stronghold. Prejudice is a stronghold. Preconception is a stronghold. We may be experts in different subjects, but when we come to the knowledge of God, we are always empty. No man knows God except the one who has come from the Father's bosom. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And the purpose of the fulfilled is to reveal the Son through the Spirit that we may know the Father. And that is knowledge. That is true knowledge. So Peter's final words to humanity, grow in grace and the knowledge of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And you know everything. 
and you do not know that, your life will be empty. And if you don't know most things, but you say you know God, you're definitely something in eternity. Because you know what? You know God. So it is not easy. Please remember this. And if one gets saved, (laughs) the devil will try everything possible to divert you from that narrow path into that broad way. And every day begins with the attack on both your heart and your mind. Heart is the seat of your affections. Love God with all your heart. If you believe in your heart, that belief basically means trust. Trust. Meaning, even if you do not know everything about that person, you trust him. That's not with the mind. Mind trusting is when you know about that person, but you trust him. So faith and heart, a faith and love is primarily connected with the heart, while hope is connected with the mind. As you grow in the knowledge of God, your hope grows stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Put on the helmet of salvation. But to the church in Thessalonians, Paul will say, put on the helmet of hope. How does your hope keep growing, 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 growing? Because you're growing in the knowledge of God. So there's affections and there are these thoughts, both. And the devil Begins every day. Every day you begin, you will realize the battle has begun. That's if you are in the battle. Whether you know it or not, you are in the battle. Only thing you do not know, you are in the battle. How does the battle begin? You go to sleep. And if you lived well, exercised well, ate well, you slept well without strange dreams. So you slept well, you woke up. What did you wake up into? You woke up into this world. The world begins. It's attack on your affections. So what does God come and say? We know it. Love not the world. If you love the world, the love of the father is not in you. He doesn't say the father doesn't love you. He says the love of the father is not in you. Love not the world. Okay, can I be friends? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Already half the faces are down. Affections. Why is it so? Why does God say? Because the world resists the word. The entire world is a set of ideas. There is nothing that you own or carry on yourself, what you are wearing, what anything that you own, behind which there is no idea. Not even your pen, otherwise all pens would be the same. Each pen is sold with an idea. This is smooth fiber, this is 0.01, this is more, lasts more, this is lighter. Everything behind that is an idea. Without an idea you can't sell it. There is nothing in this world which doesn't have an idea behind it. Some are good, some are bad, but all are lies. Good lies, bad lies. Nothing is fully true. Because God alone is true. So God says, do not love the world. Why the world opposes the word? Look at John 17 and verse 15 to 16. Because you are saved, you cannot escape this world. We wake up into this world, go through this world and go to sleep. And we don't know where we go to sleep. But when we wake up, we are back in the world. 
What does it say? I do not pray you should take them out of the world. He says, please. I'm not saying take them out of the world. They have a work to do. Don't take them out of the world. But you should keep them from the evil one. Why? The world says the entire world is under the power of the evil one. Demonic realm, the spiritual realm controls the minds of men and women. And through them he rules. God rules the earth through the church. The devil rules the earth through also men and women. And it's done through minds. Evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So the question is, are we of the world? So the world opposes the world. When you wake up, the world is after your affections. That's verse 14. What is verse 14? I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Why why does the world hate us? If it hates you. It's only when you receive the word and the exclusive of truth. Truth is exclusive. Jesus is exclusive. He will not be compared with any man or any God. He stands alone. It's either through me or no way. I am the way, but there is no other way. Nobody. And the world will hate you because you receive the word of Jesus Christ. And the world begins for our affections. I'm not talking about the mind now. I'm talking about the heart now. The affections, it starts. Where does it start? All of you, when you got saved, where did it start? It started at home. Look at Matthew 10. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth, but we call him Prince of Peace. That's at the end, not now. I did not come to bring peace. I have come to bring, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father. Lord, what kind of a God is this? What is he talking about? He's talking about affections. He's talking about affections. He says, it doesn't matter what a good, nice family you have. You get saved out of that family. Your father will say, be careful. We are not Christians. We are not Christians. Don't ruin my name. Don't ruin our reputation. Don't ruin our standing in our tribe, our clan, whatever background you come from. What cost it? Christ cost it. And he says, I will come and I will do that. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Father, a daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Why do they hate you? Did you do anything wrong? No. Are you there for them? Yes. Do you pray for them every day? Yes, without fail. But why did they upset you? Because you said one thing. I believe in Christ. And Christ alone. And Christ is the only way. And the devil comes after your heart. Jesus says, if any man loves his father, mother, brother, sister, children, or anybody more than me. You know what? You will never be a disciple. Never be. You will never be a disciple. You will not be able to be a disciple. You know what? You already lost the battle in your heart. And Abraham lost the battle in heart at Terah. 
With Terah, his father at Haran. He had to wait in Haran until his father died and God didn't move him. I told you, I called you, your promise is on that side. You sit there, I understand your heart is yoked to your father. Wait there. When his father died, God came up and said, okay, now leave. Affections. Every day you wake up to your affections. And your affections will decide ultimately whom you will serve. Sometimes there is no conflict. But sometimes there is conflict. Whom will you serve? Because it's a matter of the heart. And God comes and says, love God with all your heart. Just a battle for affections. The RSS chief, in his message last month, what did he say? All Indians are originally Hindus. Which is true. Whose forefather is not a Hindu? Even if you are Syrian. The maximum you can go up is AD 59 when Thomas came. Before that, your forefather was a Hindu. But the problem is not that. When you become a Christian, you have died to your past. Your line has changed. You have no. If any man is in Christ Jesus, the old things have passed away. Behold, everything you have. No past. Your history has changed. God goes to the computer in heaven and presses the button called delete. Your history is gone. You are not a Hindu convert. You are just a Christian. You are not a Muslim convert. You are just a Christian. Everything has changed. Why? Because your father has changed. How did you, how, how were you a Hindu? You raised it from your father, right? Your father has as many as you received him. He gave them the authority to become the sons and daughters of God. When your father changes, your lineage changes. Everything has changed. Everything changes. Your affections change. It's not that you do not love them. It's you love God more. That's what Brutus, Brutus was a good friend of Caesar. And in Julius Caesar, Shakespeare's famous play, when he kills Caesar, his argument is that, everybody has arguments, no. It is not that I loved you, Caesar, less, but I loved Rome more. It's not that I loved my father less. It is that I loved my God more. Battle begins every day. Every day. The sons of Korah had to make a choice. Do we love God, represented by Moses, or do we love our father. The last minute, the word of the Lord is coming. Get away from the tents of the wicked. They say, wicked? My father is wicked? My father is wicked? You know what? The Bible says in the last moment, they ran across to Moses' side. The earth opened and they saw their parents going down to hell. But the sons of Korah have written psalm after psalm after psalm glorifying their God. They had to make a choice. Priesthood was given to the Levites because the day the law came, they had to make a choice. 3,000 had worshipped the golden calf. And Moses stood at the door of the camp and said, Who are is for the Lord? Come to me. Strap your sword. Go in and kill. Brother, father, doesn't matter. And the Levites alone stepped to that side. Eleven tribes stood. It was a matter of the heart. They didn't understand the law because the law was not even given. They did not understand the law in your mind because the law has not been spoken. But they understood the matter of the heart. It is either God or nothing. And they stood on the side of God. And you know what? God said, until Jesus comes, 
priesthood would be only for the Levites because they put me above their own flesh and blood. It's a matter of the heart. When you wake up in the morning, the devil comes after your heart. Comes after your heart. It's a battle you have to win. The battle for the heart is one in the mind. It is not one in the heart. It is one in the mind. Choose this day. Where do you choose? In your mind. Choose in your mind. And you're willing to pay the price. And if you somehow manage to overcome, to manage to win the battle for affection for people who are close to you, close to you, because you do not know who it you will it will cost you. Abraham it cost his father, Lot it cost his wife, Korah sons of Korah took their parents, Ezekiel it cost his wife. Job, it cost his, all his children. You don't know who it will cost. You don't know who it will cost. But if you are able to win that, okay, Lord, I love you more than everybody, the devil begins an extra attack. First John chapter 2 and verse 15. Do not love the world and things of the world. What about things? Half the battles are over things. This thing and that thing and ultimately end up with nothing. What about things? Things of this world. Everything, like I said, there's an ideology. Everything in the world are symbols of either your beauty, your reputation, your fame, your pride, your wealth, your ancestry. Everything is a symbol. That's why you're attached to things. This looks good on me. Me. It looks better on me. This color suits you. Doesn't suit her. Everything. God doesn't say use things. God says use things. He says, don't love things. Don't love things. 2 Timothy 4.10 Dimas Why? Do you think he forsook because he loved his father and mother? No. Just a world. He's an old man probably by now. By the time Paul writes 2 Timothy, Timothy Paul is an old man. Dimas is also an old man. But what did he love? The world. Some wealth some reputation, some name, some pastor in Philadelphia or somewhere offered him a better position. Why do you go with that fellow? He never stops anywhere. Half the time he's in jail. You come be and be my worship leader. I will give free accommodation and a horse too. And his wife said, Honey, put the pedal on the metal. Rather... Your foot on the stirrup. They had no metal then. Let's go. Leave it. 
is just off don't think spiritual people get only offers in the world no they get good offers in the church better offers in the church do you know how the book of book of judges ends 10 shekels and a shirt why to be a priest kya baat hai 10 shekels and a shirt will give you a round clerical collar also I'm telling you will come after your heart he will come after your heart that's why luke 16 verse 13 and 14 no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon who is he saying to pharisees whose mind is the scripture database database everything fully loaded to them what he is saying not possible now the pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they derided him sneered at him you think their mind is not full of scripture of course mind is full of scriptures they can quote from genesis 1 all the way to malachi we will go wrong they won't go wrong original tongue they will quote, quote you but their heart they love money they laughed at him they sneered at him do you see factions because people are proud of their knowledge proud of their looks proud of their health proud of their wealth proud of their achievements and proud of their humility that's the most dangerous pride proud of their humility how do you know what you are proud of how do you know what you are proud of right matthew 11:6 blessed is he who is not offended because of how does me come to you me jesus come to you he comes to you through the word and the spirit whenever the word comes to you whichever format it comes to you microsoft word or excel or whatever it comes how do you react touch somewhere not all the word some part of the word even today has touched how do you react how do you react do you get offended pride offense anger from cain to ahitophel to judas all were offended people one was a wanderer till he died the other hung himself and the other hung himself and his whole stomach came out what was the reason because they were offended why were they offended because of the word god accepted him you didn't accept me god still keeping him on the throne don't you know what kind of a man he is what he did to my granddaughter is this what i left everything and followed him for he's always talking about death death cross 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 let me make some money out of it he was offended
Are you offended? I don't know. So guard your heart. We'll not go into the mind today. Not go into the mind today. Just give you one verse. Second Corinthians 11.3 I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds may be. Hardware is good. Software is corrupted. The word of God is both antivirus and also new software. It cleans the corruption of the world and feeds a new software. Teaches you how to think. It does both. It does both. But if you reject the knowledge of God in your mind, God's word says, He gives you over to a reprobate mind. Reprobate mind. That's in Romans 1. On the other end, you are saved, but the mind is full of the world. The carnal mind is in enmity with God. You're always fighting God. You don't fight anybody else, but you fight God. You can get along only with worldly friends. You cannot get along with spiritual friends. You avoid them and leave them alone. Because the carnal mind is enmity. Are you saved? Yes. Are you going anywhere? No. Why? The mind is corrupted. Mind is corrupted. A debased mind. Reprobate mind. A carnal mind. All kinds of minds are there. Anxious mind. Martha's mind is an anxious mind. You can't get a better preacher than Jesus. And that to a house cottage meeting. Can't listen to a word. Not a church setting. Hope setting. Why? Anxious mind. There are all kinds of minds. But Solomon was given a willing mind. The Bible talks about a ready mind. Ready to do all things. Willing mind. A ready mind. Different minds are there in the Bible. What kind of mind do we have? Joseph had a ready mind. Son. Yes father. Your brothers are in Shikim. Will you go? I will. Ready mind. Road to destiny. Who will go for us? I say. I will go. Jeremiah, please don't say I am a young boy. I am still... Drinking doo-doo. How can I go? I say no. I will go. All kinds of minds. What kind of mind do you have? We'll look at it next Sunday. I will go for communion. So let's leave the mind aside. Let's look at the heart. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where are your affections? Where are your affections? If your affections are not for God... The heart is not set on God over and above everybody and everything else. What has come upon us and will keep on increasing, honestly, we will not make it. We will quit. We'll quit. In church history, there have been people who survived and came pure as gold at the end. It's because their heart was stayed on God. I will keep him on perfect peace. His heart, his mind is set on God. You won't survive. You will buckle. Vaccine. Which one should I take? Covaxin and Covishield together? 
Can I have Pfizer and AstraZeneca also? Untested vaccine, experimental vaccine. It started. US it started. First federal mandate, all VA workers have to compulsorily take it. The next one, wait, will come. I believe it will be the US army. Take it. I have no problem with people who take it. I have problem when the government says, if you don't take it, we will take you. Make you take it. Otherwise, we will cancel you out of everything. If things don't change and God doesn't supernaturally intervene, a point of time will come in this city, in this country, where they will say, you cannot gather unless you are vaccinated. Try entering a government office. Very soon, already in many offices, without proof that you're vaccinated or you have an RT-PCR negative certificate, they don't let you. On an experimental vaccine, already buckling under pressure, wait, 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 that's what I tell people, wait, don't give in to pressure so much, why? Because you have to build your strength, you know what, I will wait, God will make a way for me, I will wait. I will wait. I will wait. Why? Because the time and hour is coming. If you don't take the mark of the Antichrist, you will not be able to buy or sell love. Set is being prepared. If you already buckle under pressure, how are you going to handle the pressure? You are weary with the footmen. How are you going to manage when the horsemen are coming? When the horsemen are coming, the prophetic horsemen in the book of Revelation are going to be released. How will you survive? How will you survive? I'm not condemning anybody who took it. That's fine. If you take on it, God bless you. But trust God and believe. Go back. Even poison I have taken by ignorance or force, it will not harm me. It will not mess my mind up. It will not mess me up, oh Lord. It will not mess me. My heart and my mind will be still stayed on you. I stand on your promise and your promise alone. You said in Mark 16, 17 and 18, even if you take poison, it will not harm you. I have no choice over here. I've got a family to feed. I need this job. I have to take it. But Lord, I'm not putting my trust in the vaccine. I'm putting my trust in your word. My mind will be set on that promise. And through that promise, which is exceedingly and precious in your sight, I will escape the corruption that is in the world. You need something to stand on. Your mind needs something to believe on. Your heart needs something to hold on. Times are coming. Tough, tough times are coming. They are preparing for the Antichrist. What are we preparing for? Who are we preparing for? That's why I ask people, I keep telling in the last place, the most important character quality you need is endurance. He who endures till the end shall be saved. Can you endure? Come elders, come. Father, this morning we have come to your table. This is the table of your affection. You poured out your life heart, your soul for us. We cannot give you anything less. Anything less, Lord. You set your heart and mind on us. And today I pray, Father, even as people, when your, your children partake of the elements of your body and your blood, there will be just not healing, there will be just not deliverance, but the hearts and minds would be set free to serve you and you alone, O oh God. And whatever happens in life, help us to say like Job. My children are gone. My wealth is gone. My health is gone. But even if you slay me, yet I will serve you. His heart was set on you. 
help our hearts to be set on you, Lord. Let it bring healing. Let it bring deliverance. To every one who partakes of it, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand before the Lord. Please don't forget where we started. We started with John 1.17. Law came through Moses. The law has helped no one. It has only judged. Jesus came with grace and with truth. Without grace, you and I can't do anything that we heard today. Don't try to do this on your own. You will fail every time the greatest in the Old Testament could not do it but the least in the kingdom can if you with humility go to God every day and say Lord I need mercy I need grace to keep your truth I really really Lord battle in my mind I need your help help me Father help me Father Father this morning we come to you Lord As we stand in your presence, we are standing as one. We all need mercy. We all need grace. We all need deliverance. We all need healing. We all need to be set free in so many areas of our life. And there is one and one alone who can do it. For this purpose, the Son of Man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I pray, Father, today, as we believe, chains are being broken. Captives are being set free. Strongholds are coming, crashing down. Because by faith, because we believe by faith, 
we are accessing the very power the very spirit the grace of god itself let there be deliverance in the house of god let there be liberty in the minds of your people and when we go out we don't go out with our heads down we go with our heads up because we know our redemption is near when we see all the things that is happening in the world we are not discouraged we are not despondent because our hearts and affections are not with this world our hearts and affections are with you therefore we lift up our heads and we say maranatha come lord jesus for this hour generations have waited and if it is our generation you come we are the most blessed lord for if john was the greatest among the old testament people because he pointed you out we would be the greatest of our generation because we saw you coming we are not discouraged we are not despondent we are excited we continue to say with our heart with our mind with our lips maranatha come lord jesus but this is the day and this is the hour we are waiting for we can go home thank you father thank you So we enter into a new month may the presence of god go with us and go before us let every crooked path first in our mind and then outside be made straight let every rough path first in our mind and outside may it be made smooth so that the prince of glory can come in his power and his might let every hill be brought low in our minds every valley be filled up let the gates of our hearts be wide open for the king of kings and the lord of lords let him reign in us let the increase of his government have no end in us and let his peace rule our minds and our hearts let your people go with boldness and with confidence for we proclaim if god is for us who and what can be against us thank you thank you father thank you we just want to bless your holy name bless your holy name bless your holy name and we as the body of christ here present and around the world declare thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever and god's people said amen and amen the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen god bless you have good godly fellowship